With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, we're back with another episode of Around the Coin. We have Chris Maurice, the CEO and founder of Yellow Card, on the line. Chris, how are you doing, man? Mike, I am. I am doing great. And you know, I was. I was just telling Mike, it's it's an honor to come after both Andreas Antonopoulos and and Ethan, uh, who you know are both both great people. So uh, you know, it's uh, good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Ian, Ethan introduced us, which I imagine you know him pretty well, going through the the tech stars. Pro, did you go through the TechStars program? The no, Western no, we're, we're looking into no, it, um, but uh, no, we haven't. We haven't gone through that yet. Yeah, uh, cool. So before we dive into stuff, do you want to just give a little description of what Yellow Card is and what your what the start or vision is? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, essentially, cool. what we do at Yellow Card is we enable anyone to buy and sell crypto over-the-counter in emerging markets. And so right now we're live and operational and transacting in Nigeria, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Botswana. And in any of those countries, you're able to buy or sell crypto uh, using any applicable local payment method, be it cash, be it bank transfer, be it mobile money, whatever you need. Uh, and so the, you know, the, goal, the goal for us is to, to make crypto and make uh, basic financial services through crypto accessible to parts of the world that otherwise would be excluded. Awesome. Awesome. And is it really a focus on in-person where someone goes to say an ATM or some kind of in-person transfer or most of them online? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Nigeria, we have our own stores and then we also work with uh, networks of stores there. Uh, and at any of these stores, you can walk up and pay in cash, get Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever you need. Uh, and you can also sell crypto to us and then go pick up Naira, uh, the local currency. Yeah, that's interesting. It's amazing how Nigeria has just become the, I don't know if I'd call it the global hub, but it seems like the global hub for practical usage. You know, I don't know if Nigerians are making that much technology, but they are. They do seem to be like using it for the most... Um, you know, practical purposes, probably due to the fact that their country is huge. It's pretty sophisticated. It's generally skews young and they have a, a fledgling uh, existing banking system. But yeah, I'm curious to hear, what, what do you think of Nigeria? What, what's the, what do you think the reason is that that became such a huge hub for cryptocurrency? 
love I love Nigeria, man. That's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great yeah. place. Um, so I mean, I I think I think Nigeria Nigeria has um, a, a lot of a lot of uh, similarities to India or China in that it's it's a large population of extremely talented people, right? So it's extraordinarily competitive. And in, in Nigeria, I think that's why you've seen so much, uh, so much willingness and so much innovation and everything around emerging technology like crypto. And so, yeah, I mean, Nigeria, Nigeria is certainly, um, certainly the African hub for crypto. Uh, I don't, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, unfair to call it a global hub for crypto. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, by, by all measures, it's one of the top, top five in the world in terms of users per capita. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit going on there in the space in terms of innovation. And like you said, actual practical uses of, of crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's because the, the existing banking systems are just not meeting the needs of the people? I mean, there's, there's such a heavy, heavy reliance on mobile, which might be part of it. Uh, I know PayPal, it doesn't exist in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely no PayPal. So, um uh Nigeria Nigeria is an interesting country. So, so when most people think of Africa uh in terms of fintech and everything, mobile money is definitely one of the big things that comes up. Uh, mobile money doesn't actually exist in Nigeria. The way at least the way that it does in Kenya, the way that it does in uh, Tanzania and some other some other countries around the continent. Um so in in Nigeria the banking system there is actually I mean I'm not going to sit here and say that the Nigerian banking system is the best in the world, but it's, it's definitely better than the U S one. Right. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Nigeria, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week when I need to make a payment, uh, you know, we're able to make that payment and it hits the other account instantly. Right. So, uh, you know, good luck trying to make an instant payment in the U S of any substantial amount, (laughs) you know, outside of cash. Um, and so the, I mean, the, the banking system, the banking system and everything is, is definitely somewhat, uh, somewhat reliable. Uh, the, the currency, the currency does have some stability issues and there are definitely concerns there. Um, especially with, with, you know, what's going on in the oil market. I mean, something like 90% of Nigeria's economy is dependent on oil. And so with, I mean, you know, U.S. oil dropping negative and then, <laughs> you know, crude and Brent and everything, uh, not, uh, you know, not doing terribly hot right now. Uh, I think that there are definitely some concerns over the, uh, the, the stability of the currency and the economy there. Mm, yeah yeah that makes sense yeah it's awesome though i I really i'm rooting for for them and just africa in general it's great to see i saw that uh jack dorsey this twitter ceo moved i don't know if he's still there but he at one point moved to i think it was nigeria at least africa for a while because of his uh interest in bitcoin yeah yeah so so fun fun fact about that um (laughs) so i was i was uh i was one of the guys that uh, met with Jack in in both Nigeria and Ethiopia, and uh, gave him sort of the lay of the land of crypto and payments and everything in uh, Africa for for Nigeria wow. and oh, for uh, cool. Ethiopia. Yeah, so uh, it it is funny though because I've had I've had several people. Uh, that'll be like, oh, hey, did you hear Jack was in Africa? <laughs> yeah, I know, I was there. So, uh, wow. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, he's uh, he's not there anymore, and I don't I don't know. Uh, last, last that I heard, uh, the, the plan to actually move to Africa is, is not probably not going to happen this year. I mean, I mean, especially considering, you know, the world is currently ending, 
But uh, yeah, 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 I mean, uh, he's, he's definitely he's definitely bullish on the continent, and I think uh, I think at the I mean, even if, even if he you know even short of moving there, just having the attention of somebody as prominent as Jack Dorsey on the continent is is a, a great thing. Yeah. And what was, what, tell me about that a little bit. He came and then did he just hit you up or through an intro, you met him and then were you there previously and kind of served as a Bitcoin Westerner Bitcoin evangelist or how, how did that play out? Yeah. So it's actually, actually kind of a funny story. So uh, one of, uh, one of my friends who is uh, with the, the blockchain division in Google, uh, he, he messaged me and he was like, Hey, you're in Nigeria right now, right? Uh, I have a, a friend from Square <laughs> who is uh, who's going to be uh, in Nigeria and is looking to you know meet up and learn about Bitcoin there and that kind of thing? Uh, you know, can I make an intro? It's like, oh yeah, sure. You know, that'd be great. And uh, I get home later and I check my inbox, and the intro was to Jack Dorsey. And I'm thinking, you know, this is not a friend from Square. You got to warn me before you do this. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I got introduced to his friend from Square, and uh, we we ended up meeting up in. Um, in Lagos, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a great group. It was uh, myself, uh, Minachi, our, our guy in uh, Nigeria, and uh, a few other a few other leaders in uh, crypto and in payments in uh, in Nigeria and in Africa. And uh, we had yeah, just a, I mean a great a great sort of roundtable conversation and everything with him. He had um, he I mean he was there to listen, right? I mean he had questions and all. But uh, I mean, he was there. He was there to learn and to to really understand how things are working on the ground there. Uh, and then I know he yeah. went off and did the same thing in Ghana. And then uh, he was doing the same thing in Ethiopia. I did, you know, found out that he was there and uh, ended up ended up doing it with him there as well. And so, um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think I think that it's great to have have that much that much attention and focus and everything. Uh, placed on the continent from from somebody prominent because uh, I mean Africa yeah. does not get much attention, especially from you know Fortune five hundred companies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, totally. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I was told to ask you about selling Bitcoin on eBay, chargebacks, Taco Bell. Is this <laughs> is that the story, or this is this comes from Ethan from TechStars? Oh God. Um, so, uh, so I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll run you through, I'll run you through it from the beginning. So, uh, this is, um, this is, uh, that's essentially the story of how, uh, how we got started and how, um, you know, a, uh, a white Southern boy from, uh, Southern Louisiana ends up selling Bitcoin in Nigeria. So, um, I basically, uh, so I had a, I had a company before this doing, uh, clothing lines, uh, clothing manufacturing and then uh, supply chain logistics out of Pakistan. And uh, so we, we did manufacturing and uh, put together uh, about 450 clothing lines out of, uh, out of this, this, uh, this group in Pakistan. And uh, you know, that, that uh, running that for a couple of years uh, was really eye opening on the, the foreign exchange side. Uh, Cause the Pakistani rupee is not exactly the strongest currency in the world. Uh, it's, it's tough to move it in. It's tough to move it out. It's tough to move it around. And so when Justin, my, my co-founder, taught me about Bitcoin, it made a ton of sense, right? Uh, this is back in 2013. Uh, and, you know, just the, the idea of having money on the Internet, not having to deal with banks and exchange rates and everything sounded phenomenal. Uh, I was not ready at the time to shift my entire operation over to magic Internet mm -hmm. money. But, uh, you know, definitely was interested in the space and in learning more. And so over the course of the next 
year, two years, uh, we would we would talk about it periodically. We would uh, you know send articles back and forth, that kind of thing, uh, just to to learn more and to really understand crypto in the space. And uh, that brings us up to about 2015. Uh, and one day I'm on eBay, and I saw somebody selling one Bitcoin on eBay for about $300. And I, I Google, you know, one BTC to USD and it says Bitcoin's about a hundred dollars right now. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, this is, this is like a 200% markup. You know, how do, how do I do this? And so I send, I send the link over to Justin and I, I, you know, I tell him, Hey, you know, we're two relatively smart individuals. We can figure this out. And uh, he responds back and he's like, cool, you know, I'll start buying some Bitcoin. And so, uh, you know, we, we list it, we list it on eBay and, uh, that that first day we did probably about ten thousand dollars in sales, and I mean you know a two hundred two hundred percent markup. I mean I, you know we're we're seeing stars, right? So um, that uh, that week we did about forty thousand dollars in sales, and I mean I am I'm about to call my mom and uh, you know tell her I'm dropping out of college, and I mean <laughs> you know all all this right, and uh, that was uh, that was when I learned what a credit card chargeback. So what was, uh, what was actually happening is people were stealing a bunch of credit cards and coming to eBay and running the credit cards, we would send them the Bitcoin and then the bank would inform us, uh, Hey, there's been a chargeback and you need to give this money back Uh, after we had already sent out the Bitcoin. And so, uh, Yeah, what ends up happening is you lose on both sides of that transaction uh, because yeah. you've already sold the Bitcoin and there's no way to claw that back. And the bank is sure as hell going to claw its part back. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, if, if, uh, you know, if you're going to take anything from this, from this podcast, it's don't sell Bitcoin on eBay. It's not worth it. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see. I can see exactly how that goes. Yeah, not 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 phenomenally well, um, and uh, so we we lost we lost quite a bit of money on that. But uh, you know, for for whatever reason, at that point, we were already committed to the technology, right? We'd already fallen in love with the technology, with the space, uh, and you know, we we wanted to continue to uh, evangelize with, with crypto, right? Continue to spread the good news, get it into more hands, right? I mean, this is this is 2015. Around the coin is sponsored by Otter. Otter helps tech companies hire talented and inexpensive software developers. Otter specializes in recruiting developers from Argentina because of the similar time zone, the favorable currency exchange rate, and the amazing talent. The rates are only $35 to $50 per hour, so whether it's PHP, Go, JavaScript, iOS, or Java, visit hireotter.com to hire a great software developer today. Yeah, that, that's why I say, you know, for some reason, right? So I don't, I don't know why. Um, I don't, maybe we just mm. wanted to you know, recoup our losses. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, we were, maybe we're just crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, any, any combination of the above, but, you know, we were in love with the technology. We wanted to continue to sell it. We wanted to continue to get it into more people's hands. Uh, and I mean, at this point we're just triggered by the concept of plastic in general, right? I mean, so credit cards are off the table. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're talking one day and we think, you know, why don't we do this? with the only irreversible payment method known to man, which is cold, hard cash. And so that night, we put up an ad on Craigslist and then on uh, local Bitcoins. 
and the ad said, uh, you know, hey, we have Bitcoin. Come meet up with us and give us cash and we'll give you the Bitcoin. And, you know, we put it up. We didn't expect much from it. The margins on this are significantly lower than, uh, you know, eBay, where everybody was stealing from Uh us. Uh, And so, uh, you know, we put it up there and all of a sudden the next day we have a ton of responses. And, you know, we start thinking, you know, wow, maybe we're onto something. And uh, so, you know, at this point, all we needed was somewhere to meet up with these people to be able to collect the cash. And so, you know, we did the only thing that two self-respecting college students in our position would do. uh, And that is every Wednesday at about 7 p.m., you could come to the Taco Bell on Gay Street in Auburn, Alabama. uh, Find Justin and I in the back corner where we're inevitably eating our Doritos Locos Taco 12-pack. And you could slap a couple hundred dollars cash on the table and we would scan your QR code and give you Bitcoin. Wow. Um, you know, this this went on, this went on for about uh, three weeks and we're like, you know, wow, this is this is working. And so the uh, you know, the entrepreneur in us uh, decided to uh, to call up uh, our friends at LSU, Yale, Georgia, Georgia Tech and a few other universities. And uh, within another two weeks, we had we had an army of college students selling selling Bitcoin out of seven Taco Bells on the eastern United States. So wow! And um, how many? How much are you selling at this point? Um, so we were doing, uh, man. I mean, by by the time by the time we had ramped up and we were uh, in in multiple Taco Bells, I, I would I would say we did we did probably about fifty to sixty k a month. So, I mean, you know, certainly wow, I mean, okay. nothing, nothing in terms of, uh, you know, what like the what like, you know, an exchange would do. But I mean, you know, the margins were a little bit higher. Uh, and, you know, now, uh, you know, now we get to tell people that we sold Bitcoin out of Taco Bell. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's a that's a solid briefcase of cash you're moving around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this is, uh, you know, fortunately, it was it was not just us, right? So it's it's you know multiple people, uh, you know, spread across spread across uh, you know an army of uh, an army of uh, college students at a uh, out of you know different college college towns, and uh, yeah, you know, just uh, essentially copy and pasted the model and uh, you know made it made it work uh, made it work across the board. Huh. And so this evolved into what Yellowcoin is today. Yeah, yeah. So uh, eventually, uh, eventually, about two and a half months of of doing this, right? Uh, and uh, you know, Justin and I were talking one day, and we said, you know, man, we should probably do something less sketchy with our lives. And that was that was when we first decided to start Yellow Card. And uh, the the concept originally was just to scale what we were already doing with. Uh, you know, agents at Taco Bell's, right? So, uh, you know, ta- uh, that was that was essentially our first agent network, right? Was uh, you know these uh, these college students at Taco Bell's, and uh, what we what we did is, uh, you know, the idea was to do that at a uh, you know on a less sketchy, more broad scale, right? So, you know, do it at convenience stores and uh, you know places like that, more uh, legitimate places of business, and. Uh, that was that was what we were working on for uh, for a little while. We were we were building that out. We were building out the technology and everything for that. And uh, one day we met a man at a Wells Fargo who was sending two hundred dollars to his family in Nigeria. And 
the uh, the bank charged him ninety dollars to send that money over over to Nigeria. Oh my god, um, that's crazy! So yeah, you know, we we pulled the guy aside. We heard it. We pulled the guy aside, and uh, we were like, you know, hey man, have you ever heard of Bitcoin? You know, it's free, it's instant, you know, all that fun stuff, right? And we went home later that night, and we start thinking, you know, what would his family in Nigeria do with two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin solves the middle of the problem where, you know, whether you're in Los Angeles or Lagos or, uh, you know, China or wherever you are in the world, I can send you money. It's going to hit same time, same fee, all that. Right. But practically speaking, what are you going to, I mean, you know, Bitcoin's not going to keep the lights on, right? It's not going to, you can't buy food with it. I mean, even in San Francisco, you'd have a hard time paying for coffee with it. Never mind Lagos. Right. And so uh, eventually we, we brought all of these questions to uh, Minachi, who's our, our partner on the, uh, the African and Nigerian side. And we start asking him all of these questions. You know, hey, uh, what can you do with Bitcoin in Nigeria? How do people buy it? How do you sell it? What do people use it for? Is there a way to convert it to cash? All of this. And, uh, you know, this this went on for, for several months. We introduced him to Yellow Card, which we were building in the States. And uh, he was, I mean, immediately just, uh, you know, understood and uh, excited about the idea. And, you know, basically what he kept telling us for, uh, you know, as long as, as long as this went on was you need to be doing this here. This, this, what you're building makes a lot more sense in Africa than it does in the U S right. It would be a luxury product there. People could actually use it here. And, you know, uh, somehow he convinced us uh, and uh, you know, after, uh, I mean, no more than a couple months of talking with him. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we bought two one-way tickets to Lagos, Nigeria, and uh, the first time I had ever left the United States and uh, went to go start a company. <laughs> and uh, huh. the um, the, uh, the extended version of that that uh, you know if uh, <laughs> if we ever if we ever grab a beer in Los Angeles, I can give you the uh, the, the full rundown. It would uh, take a lot more than uh, the, the the allotted time we have here. But uh, the uh, the full version is uh, the first time that I went over to Nigeria, I didn't have my shots and I didn't have a visa, so <laughs> absolutely oh, no idea what we were doing. And we were there to start a company. So, <laughs> so did you start the company? Is it a U.S. company or is it a Nigerian company? Yeah, so it is. It is. Uh, it's both, right? So we we started we started the company in the U.S. And so I mean, you know, we're registered in the U.S. Uh, you know, we do have uh, you know we have uh, you know part of a team here. And, uh, then when we went over there, uh, that was, uh, you know, immediately while we were over there, what we worked on is getting the company registered there, getting bank accounts open, all of that. And so it's, mm. it's a U.S. company, it's a Nigerian company. And then we also have, you know, registered entities in all the countries that we work in. Right. And so, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that we want to do is, is make sure that, you know, with any country that we're going into, we don't just want to be the American company going there to, you know, just do business, right? We want to, we want to actually be able to provide value on a local scale. And so, you know, hiring locally is very important to us, providing jobs, uh, bringing jobs into the economy, uh, cycling the money within the country, uh, you know, using local firms for, uh, you know, assistance with marketing, printing, uh, things like that. You know, we want to, we want to make sure that we do, you know, even though we're an international company, even though we have, you know, a U.S. presence, we want to make sure that we still have that local feel for the, the countries that we, that we work in. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, well, congrats on the progress. H- how does it relate to the Paxful and local Bitcoin in the world? I assume you're opening bank accounts, so you're managing the direct transfers, which means that the quality is higher. It might be faster. 
uh, it's not peer to peer, right? So there is it's a, it's a completely separate model than Paxil Local Bitcoin. I'm I'm curious how you view the the relative difference in the differences in those models versus yours. Exactly. I mean, really, I mean, you hit the you hit the nail on the head with it's it's not peer to peer, right? And so, I mean, I think I think Paxful and local bitcoins are are great, and they have they have brought I mean a ton of people into the space in Africa. And I mean, right now, I mean, my my understanding is that most of Paxful's revenue comes from Africa at this point. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, they they've they've really gotten a lot of people uh, excited about the space there and everything. Uh, but I mean, you know, peer to peer does provide issues with things like liquidity, right? I mean, you know, if, if you have one Bitcoin and I need two, then I'm out of luck. Right. And so, right, right. uh, you know, that, that is, that, that's one of the things that we wanted to, we wanted to be able to do was be able to, uh, you know, accept payments, uh, and, and always take the other side of the trade. And so with, with any transaction, we're taking the other side of it. So if you have Bitcoin and need Naira, we're selling you the Naira. If you have Naira and need Bitcoin, we're selling you the Bitcoin. Right. And so, you know, we we take the other side of that transaction to make sure that uh, to make sure that there is liquidity and to make sure that you know anybody, anybody that needs access to this technology is able to get it through whatever applicable local payment method they need, be it cash, be it bank transfer, uh, whatever it is. Mm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's cool. So how so the company is uh, individuals wanting to buy and sell uh, Bitcoin through their local currency starting in Nigeria. Is there a, a, a broader vision to integrate? It looks like on your site, you have a picture of almost what's like, looks like a, a point of sale terminal. Is there a business side or what's the current focus? And I'm, I'm curious how you guys are looking forward to building out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that we're doing now, uh, and it, it, that, that, uh, sort of the, the, the point of sale terminal and everything on the website is, is pointing towards is we, we provide this, this product to be able to be sold at retail stores, right? So whether you're, uh, you know, a Walmart equivalent or you're some guy on the side of the road that sells bananas under an umbrella, you now have the ability to buy and sell crypto and add on that that value add service right make a little bit of extra money selling this this uh, you know uh, selling this this product and this this capability and so uh, i mean essentially you know we, what we did is i mean it's it's very similar to when you think of like recharge cards and mobile minutes in africa it's it's very similar yeah. to that. and so uh, you know what what we what we envision is at any any location in africa any store be it uh, you know be it again, like a Walmart equivalent or like a mom and pop shop on the side of the road or anything like that, the ability for people to buy and sell Bitcoin with their local currency or buy and sell Ethereum or buy and sell, you know, Tether, any, any of these tokens, any of these, uh, these coins that, I mean, you know, really for, for a lot of people provide a lot of freedom and, and enable people to really take back control of their money to protect themselves against inflation, protect themselves against you know, downturns in the economy uh, and ideally grow their business. Right. I mean, you know, one of the one of the things that I'm extremely excited about when it comes to, to Bitcoin in Africa is the, the prospects that it has for trade and for uh, just the, the general economic growth across the continent. Uh, and so, you know, the, the easier that we can make it for money to flow from Nigeria to Ghana or from you know, Ghana to South Africa or uh, you know, any, any corridor like that, the better. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. What do you think stands in the way of uh, progress in terms of like the broader economy, say Nigeria or Africa? I mean, clearly they have a lot of like tra- traumatic history to sum it up in a very short way. But like, <laughs> is there other, um, I mean, one thing I sense is that there's just is this undercurrent of, I heard, you know, it was this podcast I listened to a while ago of one of the founders of, I think it was StubHub. Uh, the guy, I think it was Jeff from StubHub. And it, this is an old podcast. He was talking about in the early days of eBay, there was this company that tried to build a, or they were considering building, I think, a um, an insurance product for eBay transactions. And the idea was that if you sold a product on eBay and someone paid you, uh, but you never sorry, you're, you're buying the product, but you never received it, then you could use this insurance and claim insurance for that. But the, the idea never became useful, uh, needed really, because people assumed truth in the trades. You know, sometimes there would be people who are bad actors, but overall it was like 95% plus good transactions. And it seems like the, the, the challenge, I, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but it does seem like a dramatic difference in the like the undercurrent of the culture is almost an assumption that you're trying to rip me off. And I don't know if that's, I'd be curious. I've actually never really been uh, all around Africa to get a firsthand sense of this, but um, it does seem like there's this assumption that you're ripping me off or you're in some way uh, not telling the whole truth in some particular transaction. And when you, when you assume that, it means that that becomes tr- that becomes reality, and people do rip each other off, and it, it it just builds in a lot of friction to the everyday commerce of the country. And yeah, I mean, to some degree, like you can solve that with Bitcoin, but um, it also makes it harder because once you send a trade, there's no middleman to really resolve that escrow period. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Do you, do you do you first of all do you agree with that? Does that make sense in terms of the the underlying sentiment of, of people being um, a friction point in in the economy? Yeah, I mean, you know what, what I always what I always tell people is that trust is the the most valuable currency in Africa, uh, and I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's just Africa either, right? I mean, I'm not nearly as experienced with South America, uh, but I mean, you know, you see the same thing in the Middle East. Uh, I, my understanding is that a lot of it's the same in South America and uh, you know Southeast Asia, uh, and so I mean you know with with a lot of the emerging world, there's definitely um, a uh, culture of skepticism, right? And you know I'm sure like you like you alluded to, I'm sure there's you know a number of reasons, historical and current, for that. Um, but it it certainly does. It certainly it, it certainly can hinder uh, progress to a degree, right? If if nobody trusts each other, then uh, it, it can start to become an issue. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's I think it's it's less an issue with the culture and more of something that companies need to be able to innovate around, right? And so when you look mm-hmm. at uh, like Jumia, uh, which is you know supposed to be like the Amazon or the eBay for Africa. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ways that they got around that, uh, is cash on delivery, right? So now, you know, if you order something on Jumia, you don't have to pay until it's delivered. Right. And so, I mean, I, I remember, I remember, you know, hearing a story of, uh, you know, a Jumia delivery driver who's delivering a blender and, you know, the guy was so skeptical of Jumia 
that he, he, you know, brought the guy and the blender inside, took it out of the box, turned it on and like made a smoothie before he would actually pay the guy because he wanted to make sure that this worked. Um, and so, you know, it, it certainly, it certainly can cause some inefficiencies and it can, it can certainly, uh, you know, make it more difficult, but I think that it's just another thing that, uh, you know, businesses need to, need to innovate around and need to account for, right. Uh, is, is, you know, some of the, the, the cultural differences when you're doing business around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Have you seen other uh, interesting businesses while you're traveling around or any local entrepreneurs starting interesting businesses or even have have realized other opportunities? A lot of times people listening to this show are in the market for ideas. They're thinking about what their next business is going to be or what they're going to fund if they're an investor. And Africa, you know, other parts of the world just have a completely different operating system than the West, in particular America. And I often think that with America so secluded, you know, very few people relatively travel to other countries compared to other to, compared to uh, citizens of other countries. That while America is a great zero to one innovative hub, it, it often the mindset doesn't get applied to uh, business opportunities elsewhere. And yeah, I'm curious. How, do anything stand out as far as uh, you know during your travels or elsewhere where you're you're like this is a big problem that just has to be solved, or even other companies that are solving something interesting? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the the biggest the biggest problem, uh, and I mean this is this is in general across the continent is is just employment, right? There's, I mean, there's a ton of talent like we talked about earlier, uh, and I mean this is not just Nigeria but the rest of the continent too, right? I mean, un- unemployment is is rampant, and I think that companies like Andela, which is you know certainly a you know a bigger company now, um, are are I mean, solving a very real problem on the ground there. So Andela, for anybody that's not familiar, is uh, essentially what they're doing is is exporting talent, right? So they find talented developers in uh, Nigeria, and I think they're also in Kenya and Rwanda, and they put them through additional training. uh, So they, you know, make sure that, I mean, you know, these are are like top-notch devs, and then they essentially hire them out to companies in the US, in Europe, et cetera, and so, you know, whereas you might have to pay, I mean, right now, you know, what's the market for a developer in San Francisco? Uh, you know, probably like 100 to 150 a year starting, um, you know, whereas a developer in Africa that's been, you know, professionally trained and everything, and this company takes care of all of the HR, they take care of the, you know, the payment and all that. And all you have to do is just work with this guy as you would any other developer. Uh, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, paying, you know, maybe 50 to 70 instead of, uh, you know, 100 to 150 that you would in San Francisco or really anywhere else in the States at this point. And so yeah. I, think, I think that like, uh, I think that there's a huge opportunity in terms of uh, talent, in terms of exporting talent from Africa um, and exporting, you know, services, right? Uh, and I mean, I think that it's, I think that it's, it's right now, especially it's extraordinarily mutually beneficial in that, it's, I mean, there's just such a need for jobs and for, you know, formal jobs and everything in these, uh, in these countries. And I mean, on top of that, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the people, the people that are making this money, these developers and everything. And I mean, I can, I mean, just, you know, from, uh, you know, the developers that we have on our team, uh, I mean, 
they turn around with the money that you're paying them and they create more jobs, right? <laughs> you know? And yeah. So, I mean, you guys, do you have developers in, in do you guys have developers in Africa? Yeah. 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 So, so the majority of our development team is in uh, Lagos. So the majority of our, our oh, awesome. team is, so actually, so we have, we have six people in the U S right now and then 14 in Lagos. Awesome. 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 Yeah. What a great idea. I mean, it, it makes so much sense, especially now, right. With, with the COVID outbreak is that people are all working remote. So when you look in Slack, you're like, well, that person is pushing this much code and this, this higher quality and we're paying them this much. It in some ways like commoditizes people uh, to, is probably a negative perspective on it to some degree, but in reality it is, it, it levels the playing field and, and it may end up being a net positive for, people in remote or rural areas or, you know, across the globe and poorer countries, which is, uh, yeah, that's good. I think that's a, overall a good thing for companies and, and probably will just, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. For one thing, it might drop the, the real estate price in San Francisco <laughs> as more people become <laughs> that's, remote. That's not, not necessarily a bad thing. So <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't, I mean, it, you know, it's not, it's not a sustainable long-term solution, right? I mean, it's not, you know, the, you know, the, the Nigerian economy or the, you know, the African economy cannot be dependent on outsiders and outside foreign companies for jobs forever. Right. But I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that right now, a lot of parts of the, of the continent do need a boost. And if, if more American companies were looking towards Africa for hiring, uh, I think it would, I mean, it would, you would start to, I mean, really see the economic impact that that could have in, uh, you know, five, 10 years, as opposed to, uh, you know, having to wait, you know, potentially longer. Right. Cause I mean, like I said, I yeah. mean, I mean, Africans, uh, I mean, man, especially in Nigeria, man, uh, like, I mean, you know, if, if you're paying them, they're turning, I mean, like, they're not, they're not like just taking the money. I mean, right. Any, anything, anything outside of like rent and food, uh, that, that, you know, you give to an employee there, they're turning around and they're like, they're creating, they're, they have like a side hustle now. Right. <laughs> so now they're creating jobs, mm-hmm. they're hiring people. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's amazing how, how quickly money can spread through the economy. It just needs more of it, right? It just needs more coming in, and uh, that's why. I mean, you know, I, I obviously, you know, foreign direct investment and uh, you know, job creation and everything from foreign companies is not sustainable forever. But it it is something that that I think the the continent really needs to boost it in the short term. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. How's living in uh, Atlanta? How's that? Are you involved in the startup scene there, or I guess you were you moved from Louisiana previously. Is that where your local office is? Or are you guys completely remote? Yeah, so we we have we have a local office in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta stay true to the South, right? So it's uh, <laughs> so uh, you know I figure I mean you know we're working in Africa. Uh, you know why 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 do we need to be in San Francisco? You know this this makes more sense time zone wise. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you know Atlanta Atlanta's great. Um, I mean you know I I I like to stay between here and Lagos and. Uh, you know, I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta's nice. I mean, there, there's definitely a startup scene. It's a lot smaller, obviously, than, than San Francisco or New yeah. York. Um, but it is, it is growing very quickly. And I think, I mean, I think Atlanta is is really underrated in terms of, uh, you know, the size of the scene here. I mean, outside of New York, it's definitely the business capital of the, I mean, pretty much the Eastern U.S., right? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot going on here. And uh, it's, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, you even have, you even have some, you know, pretty big crypto companies and I mean, BitPay is here. Uh, Storage, BitPay, yeah. one of the, you know, one of the first, you know, real prominent uh, uh, ICOs, you know, they, they're here. So yeah, I mean, you know, you definitely have some, uh, some, you know, a crypto scene starting to develop here. Yeah. Yeah. No, Atlanta definitely is a, it's a big city. I mean, it's, I think it's the biggest airport in the country. Number one, biggest airport maybe in the world in terms it. of, uh, in terms of foot traffic. So more, more people step foot in the Atlanta airport every year than any other airport in the world. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Or at least I read I, that I online pretty close to, to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I like it. We're not going to fact check it. Uh, yeah, we're not, we're not fact checking it. It reinforces my existing beliefs. So. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, I live pretty close to LAX and it's been amazing the the decrease in the flights that have taken off. Usually we can hear like a, you know, flight go off every 10 minutes, but it's like now it's like a couple of times a day, just the, <laughs> the drop in the traffic, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah now, I mean, I mean, when you see a plane flying overhead now, it's like, oh, wow, look at that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very novel. Have you seen a big change since um, all this uh, pandemic has gone on in terms of how people are using it or the volume or anything else? And I'm curious, can you mention where the company is in terms of volume or users or any of the um, relative metrics on traction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, right now, I mean, right now things have, uh, I mean, things have taken off. So, I mean, for, for Q1, uh, we did over 15 million in, uh, in volume on the platform. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited about that. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, I think it's, it just, it speaks to sort of the, the growing scene that's more than double what we did Q4. And so I think it speaks to, you know, the, uh, the, the, the growing scene in, in Nigeria and in other parts of Africa. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, in terms of volume, uh, we definitely saw a dip, uh, in March for the weeks leading mm-hmm. up to the lockdown, right? So, so Lagos is, I mean, essentially on lockdown, South Africa is on lockdown, basically everywhere in Africa is on lockdown. Right. Um, and there was, there was definitely a dip leading up to it. And, uh, you know, I guess, well, everybody in the U S was panic buying toilet paper, everybody in, uh, Lagos and in Nigeria, South Africa and everything was, Similarly, uh, you know, trying to prepare for the uh, the um, the the lockdown and all, and uh, you know, supply chains in Africa are a lot more fragile than they are in the U.S. Right? So, you know, if the store up the street is out of meat, you just wait a few days and they get a delivery. Uh, you know, whereas like if that's the case in Africa or Nigeria specifically, you, you know, you got to go find it somewhere else, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was there was definitely a dip during sort of the panic leading up to the lockdown, but then once things went on lockdown and everybody kind of calmed down and adjusted to the new reality, uh, yeah, I mean, it it it, it is leveled back out and it's uh, you know it's growing again, and so uh, you know I think uh, I think uh, now that uh, you know people have sort of adjusted, uh, we're definitely definitely starting to see that uh, see that demand rise, um, and I mean, you know, hey, I I, I mean. Bitcoin trading, it's something to do while you're locked down, right? So, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, we run, I, 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 we didn't talk much about it, but I run a company called Redeem where people trade uh, Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies using with gift cards. So it's a, it's a, it's kind of like Paxful where Paxful is a lot of gift card trading. And we saw that and we, we specialized in just the, just the gift card portion of it, which is a whole, uh, you know, it requires a lot of specific features to make that, that trade 
operate smoothly. And Africa is a, a decent sized country for us. And it's been interesting because I've seen a growth in the, the demand for gift cards, which might make sense because they're dif- discounted. And when people have financial challenges, they want to save more money. And we've seen, actually seen a lot of grocery store <laughs> gift cards, uh, which, may, which kind of follows the trend. And yeah, not not a. Hu- I haven't seen a huge drop in the on the what we call the seller side, which is mostly in Africa. Um, but you know, then again, it, we may be catching the edges of like the real mass market. Are, you, are most of the for you guys? Are most of the trades going? Most of the volume going from Naira to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to Naira? We have we have a pretty good balance. Um, so I mean, we it, it it really depends on the market. And it depends on, uh, you know, which rate is more favorable, right? Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, when, uh, when the when the market is, you know, when the market favors buyers, uh, I mean, yeah, we'll have, we'll have, I mean, a, just a ton of volume coming through. And then when the market favors sellers, we'll have a ton of volume coming through on that end. And so, uh, I mean, you know, people, people are very, uh, they're very smart, right? They're, <laughs> they're very price sensitive mm-hmm. and uh, they, they, they check, right? And so they, they know when they're getting the best deal. And uh, they're 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 uh, you know pretty careful about it, but it, I mean it also I would say it also depends on the price of Bitcoin, um, and part of the reason is because I mean a lot of people do use it as a store of value, right? I mean you know when you look across Africa, I mean you'd be hard pressed to name a currency in Africa right now that hasn't dropped about twenty percent over the past month, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. And I mean twenty percent is uh, you know modest compared to I mean you know what's happening against I mean you know some of the currencies on the continent right now. Um, and so, I mean, you know, when you see that kind of uh, that kind of you know volatility and everything, uh, you see a lot more people that want to hold on to their Bitcoin and then sell smaller volumes of it. So, you know, hey, I need to eat, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, sit on Naira if it's going to, you know, continue to go down. Yeah. Or, uh, I need to eat, but I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. have too much, you know, cash on hand if uh, you know the the, the prices are going to change. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, they definitely holding Bitcoin and everything is a great. I mean, it's a great hedge against inflation, right? Wherever you are. Yeah. So what kind of stuff are you into outside of uh, Bitcoin in Nigeria? <laughs> what kind of uh, interests and passions do you have? And, well, I, I will say I'm pretty excited for the NFL draft tonight. So it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, curious to see how it goes uh, with, you know, the, uh, the completely virtual draft. And the only request that I have is I know I know Roger Goodell will be doing the uh, the broadcast out of his basement, but uh, you know I, I I really hope that they're they're still booing in the background. And I mean you know if everybody can do loud <laughs> enough, maybe he'll hear it in his basement. So <laughs> what's the catch me up on that? I, I don't I don't I'm not up to date. Is, did he make a big mistake recently that he's catching flag for? And I could be totally out of the loop on this. Oh oh no no. So I mean he's uh, he gets booed every year. He's. Uh, I mean, look, I'm I'm a I'm a Saints fan, and uh, so you know we've been uh, we've caught the you know the the <laughs> the short end of the stick from Goodell quite a few times. So uh, you mm-hmm. know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say uh, he's good at his job or <laughs> you know uh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Saints is a great what an amazing were you there when they won the Super Bowl in what was it, the year after Katrina or. Right, right before I remember yeah, that being such an amazing story. 2000, 2010, February, February, 2010. So that was, uh, so the 2009 season, but, uh, yeah, right after, right after Katrina, 
Um, yeah, I mean, man, I, I think uh, you know the the big moment that everybody everybody always remembers for the Saints is uh, Steve Gleason blocking that kick in the in the first mm. game back in the Superdome after Katrina. You know, uh, and I mean, yeah, talk about mm. talk about bringing life back to a city, man. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So yeah, it's also, it's also insane. Of, I mean, for me to think that Katrina was now what. 15 years ago <laughs> it's going to be the 15th I know, right? yeah that is crazy it's amazing what sports do for for city and just the morale and the camaraderie it's kind of it's kind of crazy you know when you think about this pandemic because it's the it's the thing that the the that takes the wind out of the sails of the of the morale of the people the most. It's like, I was reading this article comparing the pandemic effects psychologically to people relative to the Berlin bombings, where it was a period of like two months where, uh, 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 no, sorry, London bombings where they were getting bombed basically every day. And people were just kind of going about their business and almost like in a heroic way, feeling like every person just by being alive is a hero and going to work and doing their normal life. And it was, uh, you know, the, the accounts of the time were just that people felt this incredible camaraderie and, and uniting force that, uh, it kind of, it's, it's like a kind of an opposite effect. Not that people are tearing each other apart, but there's like this, there's this like push against every person, you know, with the social distancing and no, I mean, how long is it going to be before we get a crowd of 50,000 people inside of an NFL stadium again, cheering? I mean, I, I don't know when that happens. I'd be curious to see if he talks about this tonight in the draft. I, yeah. But it just I'm, seems I'm like, curious. yeah. I mean, I know, I know the NBA, the NBA keeps talking about, uh, you know, it, it thinks it'll be able to salvage the season and it's going to make that decision coming up in like early May. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I just, I don't know that we'll be able to have, uh, yeah, you know, fans at the games, right? And I mean, I, you know, I, you know, what's the point, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're not gonna have yeah. fans at the games, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know a lot of the players feel that way, but um, I mean, you know, as a as a fan, I mean, I would love to. I, I think, uh, you know, especially, I mean, New Orleans was one of those cities that was pretty hard hit by, uh, you know, COVID, especially in the early days. And uh, I think probably because of Mardi Gras, but um, mm. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's a huge morale booster, right? I mean, you know, you get a hundred thousand people in the Superdome cheering on the saints and, you know, watch them, you know, kick the Falcons ass, you know, it's uh you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a weird back. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Interesting. Well, cool, man. What's the, um, let me ask you this. What would be the message if you wanted to, you know, send something out to the world from your experiences in yellow card or elsewhere? What do you think people are, are not appreciating? And this could be just the U S people, Nigeria, anyone that there, that is an underrated view. Is there anything that you hold true that you want to push out into the, into the wavelengths of the world? And, uh, Nigeria kicks ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of Africa, a lot of parts of Africa get a pretty bad rap. Uh, some of it deserved. I mean, you know, Nigeria has a bad reputation for a reason. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely moved past that. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the, the email scams and everything that, I mean, you know, some people still get have been super illegal in, in, West Africa and in Nigeria and everything for uh, a very long time at this point. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I think a lot of the uh, the reputation has definitely been damaged. But uh, my my hope and uh, you know what what we see on the ground is that uh, crypto and uh, this this new age technology has the ability to to bring that back and put countries like Nigeria on the on the world map. And so uh, yeah, I mean, you know. Hey, you know, look to uh, you know if you're if you're a business owner, you know, look towards uh, look towards Africa. Look uh, look to see what you can do there. Look to see you know how you can hire, how you can uh, you know help help promote and develop some of these some of these local economies. Because I mean, you know, when uh, you know as the world grows, we all win, right? It's not a you know e- economics is not a zero sum game anymore. So yeah, yeah, I amen to that. Uh, cool, man. Well, where can people reach you? Are you where most active on LinkedIn or Twitter or what's your uh... What's your contact info? Yeah, yeah, just at Chris Maurice on Twitter, uh, and then at YellowCardIO on Twitter as well. Uh, and you know, definitely, yeah, please, please reach out and, uh, yeah, you know, let's let's talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, this oh, wait, has been no, fun. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, I'm sorry. Let's let's talk around the coin. Oh yeah, talk around <laughs> the coin. <laughs> yeah, all good. All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you awesome. for coming. I appreciate on. it, Mike. Talk to you soon, man. Bye. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests appearing on the show and do not necessarily reflect the view of the owners and producers of the show. Paid advertisements in form of audio announcements may appear throughout the show, including this one. Advertising can also include print and other digital formats. The owners and producers of Around the Coin do not endorse or evaluate the advertised product, service, or company, nor any of the claims made by the advertisement. All programs are subject to a one-time charge for professional editing fees, for which the interviewing guest or guests may have contributed towards. The owners, producers, hosts, co-hosts, and guests on the show are not financial advisors. Any investment advice or opinion cited during the show is for information purposes only. None of the content is intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. If you believe there's been any violation of your copyright, trademark, service mark, or any other type of intellectual property, please inform us in writing by sending an email to legal at aroundthecoin.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co.